1: What's good, Internet? It is Monday, April 29th, 2018, and you are listening to Waypoint Radio, episode 234. It's like sequential. 234. That's lucky. 234. Do you, We'll if, never have this, this for a wish.
2: million years. The next time, it'll be episode
1: 234. Never. Never. <laughs> it'll already have been made. <laughs> we can have well, episode 345. Never. <laughs> That'll be wow! Almost at three, four, five. I would hope that we would just commit to getting to three, six, Wait. five, because that can yeah. What about leap- episode
3: thousand two, two hundred thirty-four?
1: Oh, that's a good one. Oh, that's yeah. the best one. See
2: so you guys. One,
1: two, three.
3: That's four.
0: Right, that's the final one. That's it. Yeah. That's we have two. to Ed ep-
2: on that one?
1: <laughs> what about episode uh, twelve thousand three hundred forty-five? One, two,
2: three, four, five. Ooh.
1: Yeah. That's pretty good. 12,000 episodes. I don't
2: know what will no we talk thanks. about? No, I'm good. No, Nothing. Thanks.
1: Uh what will we talk about? Um I don't know like the the lack of breathable air. Um <laughs> On Mars? On Mars hey, where we live? No. Beto
0: just announced a climate change plan. We're All good.
1: Who right. did about, about, was it, is it, what's his climate change plan is it that like we all get like a super expensive fan from uh, the whatever he saw, the... he
0: saw Avengers he's like just make a fancy suit like Iron Man We're <laughs> yeah
1: good. uh huh good great god I'm still fucking pissed about his
2: let's skate to the moon his
1: restaurants with farm to table uh, produce what you didn't hear this on Friday no what happened you know okay you know what a food desert is
2: no okay uh, oh
1: yes like uh, a
0: place that doesn't have like like restaurants, I don't it, know, fresh a, food. No, I don't. Well, fresh fresh groceries. food. It's it's
1: communities yeah. that don't have access to fresh produce and good food okay. because okay. you all you you're like people shopping out of bodegas and they don't mm-hmm. have access to like a close grocery store that has fresh food. These are all over the country. Gotcha. His that makes answer, sense. his thing was like I believe that every neighborhood should have have restaurants with farm with farm to table
3: produce.
2: That's like a, a point. That's of a his? thing he wants that's to That's a policy? That's a
3: yeah. And like When you've read exactly one book and it's Omnivore's Dilemma.
2: Yeah, 100%.
1: (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. When you visit your friend in Cleveland and go, "Mm, I don't know. I think Brooklyn has better restaurants. And you turn that into policy. No offense to people in Cleveland. I haven't been to Cleveland. I'm constructing a terrible person. Just dragging
3: Skyline Chili here.
1: (laughs) I've I've seen people on my timeline get into arguments around skyline chili and I don't understand it at all. The way with like the veracity of someone, not veracity, with the vitriol of of someone talking about like New York versus Chicago style pizza and I just didn't know people cared that much about chili. I just didn't know.
2: Is it just chili?
3: No. No, we're not getting into this. It is <laughs> it is it is called chili. Yeah. It is not, I think, what is generally accepted as a chili what is it? by the chili making community.
0: Wait, so is this is, like the the like is deep dish pizza a pizza or a lasagna conversation?
1: Yeah, I think it's very similar, yeah. but what is it? What is it about skyline chili? What's does, Cincinnati what's going on?
2: Does chilies sell chili?
1: Different type of chili. Oh. I mean, probably, though, yes. It's
2: spelled similar. I mean,
1: yeah, the, the, the menu's 12
0: pages thick, so. Yeah, okay. I'm sure
1: they have chili.
0: So if what? you ask, they like, I don't know, I bet Greg can
1: whip some <laughs> up in the back. <laughs> um, from what I'm looking at, it's like, it makes me sick to look at, so I'm going to stop looking at Wait. Skyline Chili. It's just I'm, a, now I got to look. Now it's just a lot of cheese and onions at to a degree that just makes me gag. Ugh. I don't like it.
2: Gross. Um, Cincinnati
1: chili, or chili Cincinnati style, is a Mediterranean spiced meat sauce used as a topping for spaghetti. Oh, is that – are those
3: noodles? Oh, it's a Cincinnati no- thing. I thought it was Cleveland no. right? Wait, I thought this I was a restaurant. Cincinnati is a thing it, at all. Skyline Top
0: chili. Okay. Top story that's in the news. Patton Oswalt comes to Cincinnati and in, insults our beloved chili from Cincinnati.com. Um. <laughs>
1: This is just a hot dog with a bunch of pasta on top of it. What are you doing? <laughs> I don't
2: What's wrong with that?
1: Do you like Oswald well didn't like the chili? Ordering Cincinnati chili is based on a specific ingredient series: chili, spaghetti, shredded cheddar cheese, diced onions, and kidney beans. The number of, the number before the word "way" of the chili determines which ingredients are included in each chili order. Customers order a two-way, three-way, four-way, four-way onion, four-way bean, or five-way. When they order one of these chilies,
2: give me a five way, behold the hot dog.
1: I don't know that there's a hot dog involved, actually. Okay. Now that I'm well, looking the other,
2: like, I don't know. I'd probably eat that.
1: Oh, uh, this one is a hot dog. Oh, okay. With all that other stuff on there. So, <laughs>
2: hmm. ever wanted to put the spaghetti point is, in it's, a sandwich?
3: I will just say that farm to table cooking requires there be, like, farms nearby producing. Yeah. Produce at like reasonable rates, and there's a reason that like only, like generally, it's really bougie restaurants that are serving, uh, making that a point of pride on their menu because uh, it's extremely labor. Like those are the restaurants that are telling you the fucking backstory on mm-hmm. your like corn cob. Mm-hmm. Like that is that is the sort of place you're getting into. And for large swaths of America, there is no like small. There there are no small farms producing <laughs> like agriculture for human consumption. Right, right. Like I mean, if you live. In Decatur, in general, you are surrounded by soybean fields. Mm. And that is not going, like, you can't just be like, oh, I'll go down to the farm down the street and get everything we need to serve a delicious and nutritious meal. I hope everyone really loves soy.
2: This ear of corn was named Carol. She grew up <laughs> in a field. No with-
1: Avenger spoilers.
2: <laughs> Who's Carol?
1: Uh, Captain Marvel. Oh, is that her
2: name? Oh, oh, that makes so much sense.
1: (laughs) Now, real quick, I'm just out out of the way. way. This week, Natalie is exhausted because she got up at 4 a.m. or something. I
2: got up at 4 45 this morning to go see Cap. (laughs) I almost (laughs) said Captain Marvel. (laughs) That would actually be
1: very funny (laughs) if you got up and like happened to just go see Captain Marvel. Bought the wrong tickets. Yeah, Uh (laughs) I got the... I got them.
0: You know, Your boyfriend's <laughs> like, did you take care of the tickets? And I, I did. I bought the tickets to the Marvel movie, 6.30 <laughs> That's Marvel <Monday>. right here.
2: <laughs> I would fuck that up. I would, I would. Um, but I did not see... Uh, I saw Captain Marvel a couple weeks ago, okay. but today I saw Avengers Endgame, Endgame. at uh, a 6.30 showing. It was an hour away from my house. <laughs> it took me fucking forever to get there. Um... And now I feel less do I feel like a superhero or do I feel you less You were than running human? through the
1: halls of vice in super in what you called superhero pose. Oh I did do that. Avengers pose. Yeah. So
2: I ran up to Austin, I was like, that, like this is how Naruto super – it's, it's Were you
3: like doing three point landings or <laughs> No, it is literally like it is like It's
2: like the n- opposite yeah. of uh, Naruto.
1: Yeah, it's forward and motion instead it's like, of back and like, no motion. Ding,
2: ding, 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 ding
1: that's no, it's X-Men. That's I, literally it is X-Men. She's doing Wolverine.
2: No, I'm not. That'd be like <laughs> ding, ding,
3: ding. That is No, no. that's the song from Ferris. Have UN's you ever heard Wolverine's I <laughs> loved claws The way come out. if you would see the you'd see the video on this. Natalie appeared to use one hand to pull the claws out from the <laughs> other hand. Like She's sort of washing her hands, like like reaching <laughs> over the right hand, grabbing all yeah, yeah, the yeah. knuckles on the left, and just like, oh, you just got to pull these babies out. Let's get them out there. We got work to do, baby. <laughs> Which is basically what went down in Logan.
1: Yeah, basically. Oh, Logan. Um, you're going to talk about Avengers Endgame later this week as part of Waypoints tomorrow we're going to record. You're going to record. I haven't seen it. I'm not going to try to sneak it in before this recording tomorrow. But you, Patrick, and Kato have all seen it. Uh, so, people should send questions in. Gaming Send questions in.
2: Um, yeah, spo- I, yeah,
1: all spoils. Yeah.
2: I will not be able to answer them.
1: Uh, we, but I can try. You know, they can take away a different podcast feed. They can't stop us from talking about movies on this podcast <laughs> feed. Yeah. We can just say, oh, no, you're not allowed to talk about Avengers? Fuck out of here.
2: We're the nerds.
0: Look, once we get 10 minutes into the podcast, no one's listening anymore anyway. That's exactly
2: it. You can yeah. do whatever you want. With
0: self um, management.
2: Hi,
1: hi various bosses. Hi Jason, hi Katie, hi everybody. Um god. Uh anyway.
2: Anyway, mm-hmm. I feel um there are uh, there're a decent amount of people there
1: at 6:30 in the morning.
2: Yeah, I uh, I Was well,
1: everything was sold out?
2: Uh, yeah, I went and saw it at the IMAX in Lincoln Center. It's the second biggest screen in America. Um it was big and, uh, you know, there are a decent amount of people. I think the theater probably can fit, like, 150, and there are probably about 50, maybe, maybe a little bit more. There's at least 50. and That's a lot for
0: a Monday morning, Monday 6.30 a.m. showing of a film.
2: Right? That's wild. So, th- basically, what happened was a bunch of places started uh, this past weekend popping up because they were selling out of everything. They started... Uh, Uh, putting up, like, seven uh, super early morning showings, and I wonder how the rest of... I think they'll probably stop doing that after a while, but it seemed like the the movie theater was prepared for breakfast. They had chicken and waffles. They had coffee. What? Yeah, they were serving it up. Um, Dang. I opted for, like, baby food, which uh, I got at the Starbucks down the street. I got a strawberry banana puree, so i felt um i feel terrible right now but i'm happy i saw it before i could get spoiled on anything so not that i would fucking know at the
0: um uh i took my my daughter to like this play center this weekend and i overheard a conversation between some parents where uh they're I don't know how they were not. They didn't realize Avengers was this weekend, and then their parents like, or the kids assaulted them about it. Like, hey, we have to go, and like, why is it so important that we go this weekend? And they were the kids were terrified of getting to school on Monday because if they didn't see it, everyone was going to talk about it. Of course, and they weren't going to be yeah. able to like they were going to get spoiled like the moment they got on the bus. So the parents like frantically had to find a theater that was like an hour away that they could go to like an 11 a.m. showing and like sit in the front row because that's Ugh. the only option Ugh. they could find. Rough. But like their kids were like just so, understandably, like you get on that bus and like
2: yeah, kids every are going kid to talk about what happens in that movie. So yeah, I, 100%. I, I,
0: but also I wanted to be like, yo, you know, parents, you know, you could have been a little more on top of this. I'm honestly <laughs> a little, dis- I'm more disappointed in you in this story that's being told.
2: Agreed, agreed. Um, so yeah, look forward to that. We'll be talking about Avengers. I have nothing really more to say about my experience. Yeah, we'll save it for that. Yeah,
1: that's, that's the time and place for it, for sure. Yeah. Um, did anyone else have a fun weekend of doing something, something dramatic and, uh, uh expansive, uh, perhaps as expansive as the 32 movies of the Marvel Cinematic Universe? I did. Oh, okay. I was throwing a Rob to, oh, never to talk mind. about a video game. <laughs> but... We can stay on you if you want, Natalie.
2: Well, I had another IRL experience. Okay. But I could wait.
1: No, we're no, here. No, are in it now. We're in it now. <laughs> we're in the end game.
2: Um on Thursday. Please, thank you so I even much. said the
1: weekend and she's like, "Well, on Thursday <laughs> of last week."
2: The we w- have
0: we have a podcast on that we record on Thursdays for Friday.
2: Uh yeah, anyway. but I was in no
1: l- uh, last Thursday. She means she did this last Thursday. Yes, last no, Thursday. Okay, but we had anyway, already recorded
0: continue. pod. It's Natalie. Oh, just, we
1: are in the tell, weeds. <laughs> tell your goddamn. Story. Can we change the? Uh, sorry, Cado. Can you change the color in here to blue? Yeah. Why? Because it's we're not in we're not in code red right now. We are in code blue. <laughs>
2: Why are we in code blue? What did I do?
1: Mm. It's not even just... It's it's the vibe in here. Yeah? It's the vibe. Okay. We're in a code blue vibe. Can you bring it down, too, also? Yeah. Thank you. Yeah,
2: get that dark mode in go. here. There we go. That's yeah. what I need. That nice blue That's light. A lot more. Oh, hey, it's honest. Game of
3: Thrones. Yeah.
2: <laughs> <laughs> no, you just got to turn the lights off for that. All the way off. <laughs> all the way you off. You just can't see us at all. Um, 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 on Thursday, I went to the uh, Tribeca Film Festival. They had a... Um, uh, they have, like, a talk. They have, like, panels and stuff like that. And I went to the Hideo Kojima panel with Norman Reedus and Jeff Keeley. And it was... I learned a lot.
1: Was that the whole panel? It mm-hmm. was also... Wait. Do you mean about, like, like, in life? Or do you mean, like, about Death Stranding? Do you mean...
2: It was... Uh, it was sort of about death stranding. I'm saying you
1: said you learned a lot.
2: Oh. <laughs> I learned a lot about myself. Oh. Okay. Learned about, you know, trusting my creative process. Um, no, I learned a lot about death stranding actually. Not really. I think, you know, you and I talked about it a little bit and it didn't seem like anything that people didn't already know. Um, but it was uh it was a good panel and I think that, you know, there's Kojima talked a lot about um, sort of the approaches he's taking to Death Stranding that have me super intrigued, mm-hmm. um, and I don't know if I should should spell this out. Oh, also, I okay. think he
1: said there is fair game. I think like if people, what I'll say right now is if you don't want to know anything about Death Stranding, including stuff that's already been talked about or like some variation on that,
0: we barely know anything about that game. Yeah, to begin I, with. I think it, you know if <laughs> I don't a, think you can spoil anything.
1: Uh, if people really want to, they can probably jump ahead by fifteen minutes, and we should be fine.
2: Norman Reedus is going to be naked.
1: You see, they've shown that already. They've already put him in the shower, all naked. Yeah, he
0: was, he was <laughs> yeah he was naked in that trailer, right?
1: Yeah,
2: he was definitely naked. Um, so I took some notes.
1: Not at he wasn't naked at the no 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 event right <laughs> no. just on stage. So method, yeah.
2: Uh, he seems like a method guy. Okay, here I'm pulling out my notes. I have I wrote them down. It was really dark. It was kind of hard to see, but. These are five things I learned about what's to be expected about um, Death Stranding. Number one, Norman's going to be naked. Mm -hmm. Number two, uh, well, actually, number Mm -hmm. one was you will see everything of Norman Reedus, subhead, Norman Reedus will probably be naked.
1: Wait, everything? Yeah, but what is, yeah, yeah, because like.
2: hmm. That's what Kojima said. So
1: you will
0: see everything. said dick?
2: He's uh, here. He probably didn't I said, say that. I have it quoted down <laughs> in my turns notes. He to the camera. You will see his everything. Oh. Comma. Everything he's doing.
1: Okay.
0: I
2: feel like those are two. Uh, I think it's two different. I think it's a semicolon. I think it's a semicolon. Okay. Yeah. Um, Is that just
1: because he's the main character?
2: <laughs> well, to, going off of that, uh, Kojima also said that you. Will be playing, you will be Norman and Sam.
1: What? Who's Sam?
2: The main character's name. Sam is, is Norman who, Reedus's character. Yes, but you will be both of them. How? What? What do you I'm, mean? I'm just saying what he said. What did he say? He said, You will be both of them, Norman and Sam. Oh.
0: <clears throat> what is that?
2: What's wrong? What's Look. wrong with laughing
3: Clearly, he means that not only are you going to be playing a character, but you will also be going through, through the transformative process right. of mm-hmm. acting. You will be doing right. what Norman did as an actor to get into that role. It will be an avant-garde experience yeah. that blends theater and cinema and <laughs> gameplay and transforms you into a player on the stage rather than a passive spectator or a puppet master pulling the strings.
1: Okay, but do you think there's a Norman Reedus unlockable skin? Yes. Yeah. Where it's just Norman?
2: Well, no. So here's the thing. <laughs> it's Mads. No. <laughs> a, oh, okay. Here's the thing. Uh Jeff at one point, uh you know, they showed some some pictures of like uh the mocap and everything and Kojima was talking about how at one point throughout the development, Norman got a new tattoo on his hand. And uh Kojima was like, "So we had to reshoot everything. We had to re <laughs> we- <laughs> Shut the fuck oh up. My swear to god. god. He was like, "We had to take we had to take all new photos. Of his hands because they had to be his hands. It had his tattoos had to be in the game. It had to be Norman. Norman I is. want to play this game anymore. In this game, what if he
1: gets and a different tattoo?
2: So that Shut was addressed. Shut the fuck up. Jeff asked, uh, "What if um, you know?" Uh, 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 You're looking uh, at notes here. I am looking at notes. You
1: want to make sure you get the quote right. <laughs>
0: She's not just mentally falling apart.
2: Keely joked, what if Norman gets a tattoo after the game comes out? Will you patch it in? And Kojima said, yes, it will be DLC. <laughs>
0: I'm mad. I can't tell where the joke you is. You know what? The honestly, is-
2: yeah, honestly,
1: Natalie, th- you're a games journalist now. This is it. You got I'm, your first this is like, a reported Kojima- piece. I know. I know. This is a reported this piece. This is a
2: reported podcast we're, right we're
1: now. Pivoting to more reported pieces, and here you are ready to go.
2: Um, number two, uh, three, there will be a lot of cutscenes.
1: <laughs> yeah, no shit. <laughs> who said that? Who was the one who said that? Was it Kojima? Kojima,
2: yeah. Uh, number four, if you go. This is a special, this is some This is some insight into the game, uh-huh. okay? This is like Easter egg, okay? Yeah.
0: If you so, go- we so we have to revisit what okay. Easter egg yep. is after this? But go ahead. Yep, <laughs> no.
2: Just kidding. It's not Easter egg, it's just like That's something I, special. When I, fi- when I file
0: my investigative, investigative pieces, I'm just like, look, I got some Easter I eggs. Got some Easter I got some Easter eggs
2: here. I
1: found here. This is some good shit.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Let uh, me tell you
0: about the harassment of the workplace, these Easter eggs Easter out
1: eggs. Here.
2: If you go somewhere in the game... You will no longer control Norman, but a camera that can look at Norman. It's this special area, you will love Norman. <laughs> <laughs> what am
1: I doing in this room with Norman? What?
2: I'm just saying that's a is special this, area. Is
1: this tied to the part where I get to see everything?
2: Yes, this fo- <laughs> this conversation immediately followed after. Oh, you will see everything. I see. Uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. Um, you you Norman, uh huh. Uh huh. Uh huh. You know what? You will be Norman and Sam. Yeah, we
1: got that one. We got the Norman. We got that. <laughs> Nailed it. Uh,
2: a lot of Kojima talking about how cute Norman is. Yeah, I loved I've, that. Uh,
1: you know what? He uh, he's not my type, but good for Kojima getting out there. I could fuck around. Norman? Norman's so what? greasy. Excuse me?
2: <laughs> I don't know. No- wow. <laughs> Norman, I le- I've off. learned a
1: lot in the last
0: 30 seconds. <laughs> I
2: don't know. Um, so, uh, <laughs> next point of information. Uh, <clears throat> Keely asked Kojima, you know, how has starting a new sort of informed your creative process? Like, how has that influenced? Da, 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 da. Yeah. Um, What... Kojima said was, the key word for this game is connection.
1: Yeah. and They've talked about this. They've talked about how, like, stranding means both. It's like, a, it's whales being stranded on the beach and also, and also strand, stranding has some sort of connection to the word, like, t- tying things together with ropes.
2: You know what else is tied? What? Us together to social media and the internet Just shut up being online does he
1: really do some like black mirror shit
2: no but what he said is Uh-oh. that okay <laughs> what he said is that we don't think about often how the consequence of connection is actually disconnection
1: so yes he did some black mirror <laughs> shit. so yes he did some we're always
0: looking out here hanging out with jack dorsey uh-huh. and, you know, with bullshit
1: reasons why you don't oh. ban nazis on twitter
2: uh-huh, Um. you know. Wait, is this
1: just in general? Is he just like saying like, a thing I'm thinking about a lot lately? Or is this tied to... <laughs> Did he pull out some notes and was just like, I, I, I got, I'm gonna read got, some this notes app. I got some thoughts. Yeah, <laughs>
2: let me just
1: get past these apologies. Uh, here we go.
2: Well, he said, he said, specifically about connection, he said that the game will be connected. There will okay. be some sort of Connection between like a multiplayer mode
1: or like a Dark Souls, like I have a feeling it's going to be
2: more of like a Dark Souls vibe where there's you can feel like the imprint of other people of some sort. That's a complete uh speculation on my part. Seems like
1: you know what, I think you're probably right though. That seems right to me,
2: yeah. Um, everything is connected like the internet, but we're not really connected, so sometimes (laughs) you have to disconnect to connect. It's very important. Um, it's an open world action game. Yeah, you bury the lead on that uh-huh. a little bit. Um, <laughs> Good. He remarked, uh, Kojima remarked that it is difficult. See, I'm reading from a story that I tried to write, and Austin was like, don't write it. I was like,
1: yeah, this is just having a conversation. <laughs>
2: because like, it's nothing new. Throw it in the
1: you trash. You put a lot of work into it. And it's, those... it's it's
0: the, It's them trying to talk around a game that will get a proper unveiling in a month and a half. Yeah. yeah,
2: yeah, exactly. Um. So, uh, he, Kojima was talking about how it is difficult to tell a story in an open world game, but he's trying to do both. The player may be able to explore, but uh, the story will progress linearly in, like, sp- you have to go to a specific yeah. area. You know what you know, what I know it is. Uh, yeah, I know. I've played your open choices, world video games I before. <laughs> I don't think your choices are going to ma- ma- matter in this game. <laughs> Thank you, Natalie. Um, Re- Norman Reedus talked about being in a blue skin tight Lycra bodysuit for a little bit.
1: Yeah, was he did he talk a lot or was it mostly
2: he talked they talked equally. Okay. I would say. Yeah. Um mostly Norman saying that he would follow Kojima anywhere and without any question. Wow. Yeah. Good for them. Um it seems good like they had a very collaborative yeah. uh uh relationship throughout the development process because of you know how when you have a real actor like acting in physically. Yeah. There's room for improv, improv improvisation, improvisation, Mm -hmm. and and you know at one point Norman was sitting down and he just like yawned and Kojima was like do that again. Do it again. Do it again. (laughs) Is that improvisation? Do it again. No, this is really something they talk about.
0: That's just a a man who's tired. That's a person who needs more sleep. That's not improv. Let let Norman Reed asleep. I need to get into acting. (laughs)
2: Um, Kojima mentioned that this game started with... I have two more points and then I'm done. Uh, No,
1: I'm happy to be here.
2: Um, Kojima said that the game started with a beach, crabs, naked Norman, and a baby.
1: Like the game starts that way or like his the idea started that this way.
2: This was said right before Jeff asked about his vision. So What was it?
1: Okay, wait. What was it said? What was it said after? Like what was the question this was responding to?
2: Uh couldn't tell you. Great. Not in my notes. <laughs> 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 um but right after that Keely was like, so has your vision changed? Oh, I think he was talking about his original vision. Okay. Maybe. For the game. So
1: it was crabs, a beach, naked Norman. And a baby. And a baby. And Gotta make that game. Yeah. Like, I get it. That's, you know, that's, yeah.
2: And so Keeley asked, like, has your vision changed throughout the process? Kojima was like, no. My vision never changes. It's like a daydream. <laughs> Wait.
1: <laughs> my daydreams change all the time. Because of the dream-like nature.
2: Well, it's like a daydream in the sense that when you first have the vision, you have some very specific details yeah. and some that are just a little bit more abstract.
1: And then,
0: he, like, and then it it into... you fill
2: it out. You fill gotcha. it out. Gotcha. Yep. That's yeah. cool. That's mm-hmm. so okay. why
0: it just had to be dressed that
1: way. It came to uh, me in a dream. Yeah, of course.
2: Um, <laughs> Kojima remarked that he wanted to replicate, replicate Norman's entire life into the game. And this is when they started talking about tattoos. Gotcha. Um... And the last What's thing- What's the
0: tattoo of? What's the tattoo on his I hand?
2: didn't fucking see it. He was like two miles away from- I couldn't see shit. <laughs> also, my boyfriend was really upset because basically my boyfriend had originally got us tickets to go see it together. Yeah. And then Emmanuel hit me up from Motherboard and was like, hey, do you want VIP? And I was like, fuck yeah, I want that VIP. Yeah. And so- <laughs> Uh-huh. I had been- You just ditched him? No, no, no. I got tickets for both of us. Okay. Um- oh. And then... Why is he mad? It sounds it sounds like a plus. Well...
0: Were you supposed to be at Endgame no. <laughs> during Kojima?
2: <laughs> no. But, so he gave his old tickets to his brother and his brother's friend. And uh, the VIP section was pretty far back from the stage. What made
1: it a VIP section?
2: I don't know. You had a fucking numbered seat. That's it? That's it, basically. Oh, you got a beer before. Thanks, Stella.
1: <laughs> beer is nice.
2: Yeah, I got a Cedra.
1: I think you could just get a beer, though, right?
2: Mm, I don't know.
1: Only VIP people could drink beer at this (laughs) event.
2: Mm, I don't know. Press
1: is allowed access. Can't say I didn't see the general concessions. This is why there's no interview. This is why there's no. Oh, there's there's
2: no interview. interview. Yeah. Um, I asked someone. I was like, "Is there gonna be like a press, like Q and A? Yeah, yeah." Uh, and she was like, "No." And I was like, "Okay." (laughs) And then um. (laughs) And then I like walked in. I just like sat in the back of this theater, and so Ben, uh, my boyfriend's uh, brother, and his friend ended up sitting really close to the front. And Ben (laughs) was just fucking bummed. I get it. And the people around us were very chatty. Oh yeah. And so Mm -hmm. I think I think Ben was pretty pissed that he ended up back where I was sitting. Anyway, back to the uh, video game. Uh, The last thing I'll say is that. You will cry playing this game. They reinforce that many times. You're
1: gonna cry. You're
2: gonna cry.
1: Ooh, must be a good video game then.
2: Norman Reedus also talked shit about the Walking Dead games.
1: Whoa! Oh, the one... what he say? Okay, wait, he wait, was wait like, Which ones? The
2: Telltale ones? Well, no, I don't think so. Okay. He was talking about how Jeff was like, what's it like being in a video game? And <laughs>
1: Great Jeff Keighley impression, Natalie. <laughs>
2: And Norman was like, well, you know, I don't really, my classic fucking non-gamer, he was like, my last game was Waka Waka Waka, and I was like, Jesus Christ, <laughs> and then he was like, well, the only games I really played are the games that my son plays, and, uh, you know, I was in the walk, the Walking Dead games, but this is nothing like that, nothing. All right, I think he was in- Oh, he
1: was
0: in one of those, the, the shitty Activision ones. Yeah. Um, I think-
1: uh, I think it's famously it was like, the, like an, an
0: like incredibly the bad first game.
1: person shooter right survival instinct is yeah. the one I think it was that, that seemed bad yeah it seemed bad
0: yeah so fa- you know fair point yeah fair
2: point anyway that's all I have to say about Death Stranding
1: thank you for the report from the field
0: mm-hmm. um, how stay out of my lane Natalie too good It was too good
1: <laughs> was Kojima <too> <laughs> <Was, did code laughs> seem like excited yes okay do you think it was just because he was near all of his favorite directors because he was at Tribeca?
2: Yes. <laughs> okay. No, I think he was excited. He was
1: near the thing
0: he actually wants to do but just secretly does through video games instead because <laughs> that's where he gets a check.
2: I think no, I think he was really excited. <laughs> because he, if he
0: made an actual movie, he'd be ripped apart and then yeah. well, you <laughs> would, know, would not be allowed to the proceed. First,
2: they had a and a and fuck, they uh, should not have had a Q&A. a public
1: q and They had a public
2: Q&A. And the three questions that were asked were the first oh, one. three.
1: Good.
0: The
2: first one was about um, do you want to be a film director? And he was like, yes, yep. I said that in the talk today. <laughs> <laughs> and then the next and guy. And also I've
0: been saying this in interviews since like 1995.
2: Exactly, exactly. And then the That's next. That's what
0: you wait. You get one chance to ask him a fucking question. You ask the thing that you.
2: <sighs> and bless this dude. He was like, I'm so nervous. Uh, I want to <laughs> ask you a question. And then he was like, do you want to make movies? <laughs> and I was like, bro, <laughs> one question. Yeah, he's nervous. He I probably had a good nervous. question. He probably had a big, long, good question. Yeah, he had two, and then they had to cut him off. You don't get two questions. Yeah, everyone was like, I have another one. And they're like, no, 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 Yeah, no, no, I no. bet. Yeah. Uh, the next person asked about PT, and uh, Kojima <sighs> was also... Kojima, in the talk, was like, PT couldn't come out. I'm sorry about that. Like, yeah, what else like you... without being prompted, mention yeah, PT. of course. And this guy was like, so PT when... And I was like, dude. And then the third the third dude was like, it was the last question. And this was the hardest one to watch because (laughs) the whole theater upon asking his question audibly groaned.
0: It was Oh, I love it. Go, let's go. He was like, Hit me.
2: Um, hello. I am, me and my friend Austin here, is
0: currently wiping his face. Me and my friend here
2: are aspiring filmmakers and actors. And we wanted no. to ask Ko- Kojima and R- Norman Reedus what advice would you give us? That's, yeah.
1: what was the advice? That's not that bad. They were
2: like, uh, one was like, uh, Kojima's like, go act and shit and drop out of school. <laughs> Okay, wait. (laughs) And then Norm norm was like, go make shit and drop out of school.
1: What? What? It's. hmm, Okay.
2: So, um,
1: finally, we have the the solution to how to become famous. Drop out of school. It's going to be fine.
0: Yeah. I don't know. Thanks, Beto. (sighs) God.
2: So, uh, yeah, that was my. That was my.
1: Thank you so much, Natalie, mm-hmm. for your update. I'm going to say we should take a break, recalibrate, <laughs> and talk about. I'm change gonna, the lighting and the. Change room. the lighting. We're going to go back to our good red lighting. And Rob, I want you to tell me when we come back about Imperator. I want to know about ancient Rome.
2: And I'm going to shut the fuck up.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Don't do that. Don't do that. All right. BRB. <laughs>
0: Upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.
1: And we're back. Rob, you've gone back in time to ancient Rome to play Paradox's latest grand strategy title, Imperator... And then there's a subtitle, probably. Is it just Rome, or is
3: it yeah, it Imperator is.
1: Rome? Is that yeah. because they're going to do an Imperator like uh, add-on, so it'll be like Imperator, other places.
3: <laughs> the Paradox model is usually, I mean, there's going to be add-ons for this, of course, because the, yeah. their entire business model is the game is, becomes a platform, and then you hang like content expansions through DLCs. Yeah, I don't know if there'd be another Imperator set in a different. Period. The name kind of precludes that easily. Yeah, uh, I think mean, it's just a—it's just a good name to sort of distinguish it from their other like strategy game lines. Natalie what, has question? a question.
2: What does Imperator mean?
3: Good question. Uh, so it is a someone possessed with imperial power <laughs> in uh, ancient Rome. Makes sense. So basically, if you have power of Imperium, uh, what you have is. Like consular power, effectively. At uh, that, like, depending on when you're using it, it could mean someone who's been trusted with like uh, authority as a governor over a province mm-hmm. to rule in the senate's name, or later it means uh, literally like you are the emperor, or the emperor's representative.
2: Cool. cool, thank you.
1: And so you are that, presumably. And actually, I don't know. So here is here is the question for me as someone who likes a lot of paradox games. What is the closest comparison inside of the world of paradox grand strategy games? Is this like Crusader Kings, where you are playing as a character who uh, an individual who lives in a time and a place? Is this like uh, Europa Universalis or Victoria, where you're playing as a state itself? Um, is this like Stellaris, where there is like uh, elements of 4X versus versus more traditional grand strategy stuff, where you know you're exploring? Like, wh- where does this map inside of their own? or is it a new thing?
3: That's a great question, Austin. Uh the answer unhelpfully is yes. Okay. Uh it's a weird thing. Um so it like when I was playing Rome and uh like Mediterranean Mediterranean Empires, uh like Ma- Macedon for instance, I would have said hands down this is a lot like European Universalis, which is you're sort of operating at the country level. Yeah. Individual characters are there, but they don't matter that much necessarily. And mostly what you're concerned about is diplomatic relations with other states, uh, movement of armies, conquest of new territory, etc. cetera. Uh, and at that point, like really becomes a game in a lot of ways. I think in every mode, what this game kind of feels like is it is a game about sort of painting the map your color, mm. uh, which I think is maybe the biggest drawback with this game is that there is a point pretty early on as Rome where I'm sitting there wondering, like, why do I want to keep expanding? Like there's a lot of people out here aren't doing anything to me and I could conquer them, but I don't know what the impetus for that is. Cause I'm kind of rolling in money here, rolling in resources. I don't really get why I would continue to do this. And the answer is because the game doesn't give you a whole lot else to do. Uh, The game gets really interesting as sort of, you are expanding to the point where your empire begins to break down Mm. uh, because you've gone way outside your national borders. And now you're sort of trying to, hold together what is now a heterogeneous empire of different cultures, uh, ethnicities, beliefs, uh, you know, political preferences. And that's when the game probably gets its most interesting. Uh, But in terms of like, what does governance look like in the game? This isn't one of those things where you can sort of follow the Civ model and just kind of kick back and sort of working on work on developing your kind of utopian state. Um, This game doesn't really work that way which I suppose is a bit like Stellaris right Stellaris has always tried to find things to do beyond just sending yeah. like battle fleets against each other and it's never really succeeded right like there's governance stuff but it's never as cool I so st- I still just- haven't
1: the thing for me the thing with Stellaris there is I never went back after their big big update that completely changed what like planet management looks like and so yeah. also, did you go back to that did that get any better
3: No, I mean, that's it's possible that that, but there were multiple big updates, right, that were sort of working on deepening that stuff. So maybe the last one nailed it, but... But I'm with you. I get
1: what you mean. Yeah.
3: Yeah, Um, whereas, like, a lot of their other games have a lot of pushback to sort of give you a lot of naughty problems to solve within your country before you sort of turn outward.
1: This is one of the reasons why I love Crusader Kings 2 so much, is just, like, at any moment, let's say that I am, like, the Duke of Sicily. I am... One uh, concerned with very basic stuff happening in the in my local court is my spy master trying to kill me and take over the court in his name? Mm. Uh, am I? Do I have an heir? If I have children, how does the local rule on succession? Like. Uh, hand it off to them or are they going to be put at risk by some other relative uh, I'm concerned about my relationship external with nearby other countries and states uh, I'm concerned with my relationship to the Pope because the Pope is right there if I'm in Sicily he's not that far away I'm concerned with my relationship to the other major major powers the HRE is not that far away like I'm an island power that's positioned between North Africa and Southern Europe so I have to worry about like is there going to be a religious war that I'd be caught in the- the middle of uh-huh. between between like uh, uh Islamic nations and Christian nations etc 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 like there's a lot going on there that I care about and also like maybe I'm raising my kid and I'm making decisions about whether or not I'm teaching my kid to be more martial or more thoughtful and and more like um uh, of like a statesman or I'm making decisions internally about like whether or not to award um my top general with like a new title to keep him happy or like I've all of this stuff going on and most of it is not not about expansion or about military control, though some of it can be. And that's part of the reason why I like that game so much is I end up telling these great stories. It is it is exactly the sort of game that is for me to tell stories with and helps me do
3: that. So here's where it gets interesting. Um, in Rome, again, it largely feels like the state is kind of the state. There are you know important families within it. There's some political intrigue. Uh, we'll come back to that in a minute. But it definitely feels more like EU in terms of like nation states are kind of the core building block, and you don't worry as much about other stuff. Then I started playing a game as uh, God. What, what, what's the tribe called? The Trevari. Tri- 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 um, the the sort of a Germanic tribe based out of uh, the Moselle region, uh, but anyway. So you, the thing is now, as if, when you're playing a uh, German tribe in this game, and they have a pretty good starting location, uh, the, you know they're they're reasonably powerful uh, clan surrounded by slightly smaller clans, a, f- a few major powers. But the interesting thing there is, it's this uh, like tribal model. Where there is an overall chief uh, overseeing the what you call sort of the 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 nation, but what you're ruling over is a bunch of individual clans who all have their own clan chiefs, and they all kind of get a vote as to who they want to rule them uh, after the the old clan leader dies. And so, what's injected there, and this was this was kind of the cool thing. My whole plan. With my initial ruler was to start trying to civilize this tribe as quickly as possible, um, and one of the dynamics in this game is that um, the people who produce research and unlock ed- like advanced technology are citizens. So you have little uh, the people, the sort of the the population. Uh, they're, they're called pops in the game, but. Basically, like every population unit falls into one of four categories, Uh, citizen, freeman, tribesman, slave. And the depending on what your culture is, the value of those things varies. But citizens, crucially, are the only ones who generate like uh, a lot of research and a lot of commercial wealth. Basically, the people like taking part in the civic and advanced economic life of a nation And they're the ones sort of developing uh, the ideas that turn into, you know, new infrastructure and new technologies, et cetera. Um, They're also bureaucrats. The tribes don't have a lot of citizens. What they've got are tribesmen. They don't have any slaves either who are like kind of the workforce for just like large-scale economies in this period. So Mediterranean nations are like massively slave-holding and they don't – and they take slaves as part of conquest – it's just like a uh, regular they, it's
1: just like a thing that's happening it, like as part of the economy like straight it up it is
3: a feature of the ancient world right um and that like they were not <laughs> they were not blind to the uh like inhumanity of the institution of slavery uh you will find a lot of romans uh writing about uh slavery and whether or not it was justifiable under any moral code but in the ancient world uh it is it is something you find uh, like pretty much throughout uh, your like Mediterranean and uh, like Middle Eastern powers. Right. With the German tribes, there is no slavery. Uh, They can end up with slaves, like, but it's a very small number. In general, what they've got are tribesmen who don't produce research. So my whole plan was to start building infrastructure with what little money I had to start creating a push for a greater civilization level that would start fostering a like community of citizens who would start producing research. And I would start becoming like an advanced nation among the German tribes. And it was going well, like it was an expensive strategy, but it was definitely like starting to bear fruit. I was starting to unlock military tech advances over my neighbors. Uh, Yes. There were a lot of tribes who weren't necessarily happy, but you know, so. <laughs> I like my ruler is popular. Right. Uh, so it didn't really matter. And so I was, I had things going in a really good place. Then the problem started to come. My rulers just get like 70 years old and I start to realize like, okay, wait, who's going to run this thing? And I look, my ruler never had a son. Oh shit. I was like, oh, wait, that seems shit. like a problem. Yeah. So I've got, this- I've got three daughters who I've forgotten to marry. Okay. Um, so I forgot, like, basically, I forgot to create royal alliances. Is that how, okay. Sounds like, like sounds
2: like a real Game of Thrones there, if you know what I mean. I
1: was going to go, I was going to go to Pride and Prejudice, three, I guess there's more daughters (laughs) in Pride and Prejudice. (laughs) That's a better one. Yeah.
2: Okay. I'll retire mine. I'll let you take the stage. You, yeah. Game of
1: Thrones is hot right now. Let me tell you, in a world where you choose between Game of Thrones and Pride and Prejudice in 2019, <laughs> I think the record shows you go with Game of Thrones. <laughs> um, unfortunately, uh, the I guess my so wait, what is what is, is that an end state for you then? If your tribal leader, if your character, no, oh, interesting. Is but it, yeah. what you will have to deal with is the fallout of all of what you've built falling apart because suddenly these tribes are fighting over the yeah. remains.
3: So I go and I look interesting and I have an heir and the guy fucking sucks. Oh, <laughs> like no. he's uh, he was like the wise one of my tribe. it's an important like office within the tribe he, pr- he provides a bonus but basically he's like part of the tribal council and the dude just sucked. he had bad stats and the rulers individual stats are appended as kind of a bonus to your national stats. so if like you've got a really brilliant uh you got like a really brilliant administrator ruling your country. Your country gets a base level of administrative points that it can invest in like new technologies, but also it gets additional points if the person at the top is providing a bonus on that front. My ruler that I started with was really good, provided a lot of bonuses. This person who's next in line for succession uh, was just a schmuck. Like he was just like – You know, complete empty shirt. So I started at this point trying to get in there and like, you know, maybe I started like seeing if I could – like I smeared his reputation. I was like, this guy sucks. Make him less popular. And I started trying to push it toward other tribes uh, whose tribal chiefs were better, uh, would would be better rulers. And I pulled that off. And in, in the middle of all this, I created a pretty powerful like empire in, uh, like Eastern France and Western Germany, and I pulled it off. I got a great ruler with great stats across the board. He takes over immediately. The thing I had not taken into account is that one of the reasons the tribe that, that other dude had been next in line to be the throne is that his tribe was huge, he had so many people who were like on oh, his side, he already and had. So Hmm. Yeah. So like I won basically like the council vote to get my dude in and like make him tribal chief. But this other tribe was basically turned around and said, well, fuck that. Right. Like we're going to rebel. And at that point, I'm in a civil war with this other family and I'm frantically and my other tribal chiefs don't like me either. Uh, immediately they're like, eh, I don't know if it really should have been this guy. So I'm like frantically Bribing them and just being like, stay loyal, stay loyal. <laughs> I invest all the money I have in mercenaries. Jeez. Uh to basically like those guys aren't gonna turn on me. I got money. Like I know that I can count on those troops. I can't count on others. When armies go like are led by a mutinous commander, they may not turn on you, but they go under AI control as the character just starts doing whatever the hell he wants. Right. Uh so you'll have like I one of my huge army stacks, its commander basically like didn't turn traitor, but did start thinking like Very Aaron Rodgers, I suppose. I'm going to call my own plays on this one. So I'm trying to fight the Civil War with like multiple commanders who are not responding to my orders. I'm trying to bribe everyone else I possibly can to stay in line. I've got mercenary commanders who uh, are bad commanders. They get a lot of troops. In the middle of all this, other German factions begin diving in. Because they can attack the rebels for free and take their territory oh, shit. without doing any of the shit you have to do in this game to, to justify create, like, right.
1: Right, right, right. So, in other words, like, like, they couldn't fight, they would never have gone up against you directly because you are, you have 100 points of, you know, like, I'm just using fake numbers here, but you're yeah. at 100. But when, each of those little groups breaks off from you. Maybe there's a seven here, maybe even a 30 over here, like they one become val- valid targets because those are rebels. And if they're not loyal to you, then whatever is preventing those other rivals from attacking you does not prevent them from attacking these new rebels, which effectively right. eats into your territory and your standing army because They – because once you bring them back under control, they'd be yours again. But now you're bringing them back under control and getting that territory back with little nibbles taken out of it or big bites taken out of it by other nearby tribes. That's a terrifying prospect.
3: It was – dude, it was incredible. Like I had 200,000 manpower at the start of this war, um, which means that's basically like draftable troops that can be brought in to replace your losses. Uh, This war just starts like eating through that figure. Uh, It's just carnage right and left. All the other factions begin attacking the rebels and begin signing peace settlements with the rebels, taking that territory for these other factions. I'm still in the civil war. And now like huge swaths of my empire belong to my former enemies. My former enemies won't let my troops go through their territory to get at the rebels who are now hiding behind this buffer state. Uh, So at that point, I'm like, fuck it. I'm going to war with these guys, too. I guess (laughs) I ended up basically at war with every single person in the neighborhood and it was pretty amazing carnage and the AI starts giving me peace settlements they're like look just give us this territory and we'll be we'll be cool just you know you want you want to let this go right man and they there were such decent settlements for how badly the war was going that I was obliged to take them or I would lose like popularity I would lose stability in my country but I was so pissed I was like no I'm not taking that And because I was a barbarian, hadn't been able to invest points, I had nothing but points to burn on re-upping my stability. So the AI is like just pleading with me to get out of this war. And I'm just like, no, we're going to keep fighting. Like, I don't have, I don't have territory, but I got an army. Um, And it was pretty great. Uh, By the end of that, um, every single person who'd been involved in that war was basically destroyed. Wow.
2: Holy shit
3: like I took everyone down with me. Like I was wiped out, but the people who'd initially been in on that first wave of like haha, we'll catch him while he's weak. Um they were obliterated uh in the like in the year after the in the years after the conflict because they had lost so many troops they couldn't hold anything.
1: Right. How could they some other bigger group was just going to sweep in and that would be it. Yeah.
2: Did you have right. did you have enough to sort of rebuild even in like much as much smaller scale than where you were before.
3: If I had, so definitely had entered sort of a mode where I was like, well, I've kind of seen what I wanted to with this game. So I'm probably not going to try to salvage this. I could have, this is what dawned on me in the wake of all that. The interesting thing with all this is the dynamic. I think with the German tribes is that enduring empires are hard to build Mm. and you're going to expand and then you're going to have a changeover of power, and everything's going to go to hell, and you're going to contract to some portion of what you gained. But if you ride that cycle correctly, you can slowly over time build a m- momentum and feed on those. But other if you places, try to hold everything,
1: right? But right, you can't hold it all. But also, you're looking for those opportunities to move in as you see other other groups failing, and it's like, how do you balance? How do you balance knowing when that opportunity is worth taking? Because taking that territory is also adding it to your list of things that you might lose down the line.
2: I think you played as a Mr. Bennett and you should have played as a Mrs. Bennett IMO.
3: My favorite Game of Thrones characters.
2: hmm. We
3: uh, like the lesson was I should have been paying a lot more attention to the relationships. Right. Mm-hmm. Like right. Uh, if I had been paying attention to the clan politics if I had in the middle of that war still been like reaching out to other neighbors and being like, Hey, what's up? We're still friends. Uh, then I could have probably built a more durable empire. Uh, but instead everything just went downhill into this spiral of like just clan warfare, uh, as they all turned against each other. It was cool, but that felt very crusader Kings is the thing. Like it's a simple, it's a simplified stripped down crusader Kings, but it is recognizable. I think to, to you, Austin, um, I think in terms of the Rome game, it does just feel like um, it's way too snowbally. Like this game so badly wants Rome to turn into the Roman Empire that there's not a lot to stop it. We can talk about that in a minute, though.
1: Yeah, totally. Who? Okay, Uh, that was we kind of took an awkward break there. Uh, I'm just gonna make it it's messy leave it messy leave it real you know what I mean shoot it like is dogma 95 style but (laughs) podcasting just talking into tin cans no (laughs) artificial lighting you know we had to take a break in the middle of a podcast (laughs) so that we could take uh do another type of break uh, and break a story um Patrick do you want to set up what we so uh, let me slow down let me slow down Thank you, Rob, for telling me about (laughs) Imperator Rome. I'm super excited. You talked me into playing that game now. I was kind of like, "Ah, maybe I can pass on it, but you did talk me into downloading it tonight, so thank you. But also, uh, we took a break in the middle of that podcast so that we could report out a story. uh, We took a
0: break in which I said... uh we need to actually just stop this podcast because yeah. I'm afraid. <laughs> Otherwise, in 20 minutes, I'm going to be asking you to stop the podcast anyway. So yep.
1: <laughs> let's just uh-huh. stop it. We'll let's just stop it and do this. Do you want to talk about the story we just uh, reported out?
0: Uh, yeah. Uh, I just filed a, a piece uh, in which uh, we we came to learn from a, a couple of sources uh, over at Ride Games um, that there was talk of staging a uh, employee walkout. Yeah. Um, in direct opposition to, I mean, a number of things, which we can unpack. Riot has had a very tumultuous uh, 12 months or so. Um, But specifically, um, there was discussion of a employee walkout in response to um, some reporting that happened at Kotaku last week in which they um, reported out that Riot was attempting to uh, move a number of lawsuits from employees um, into private arbitration. Um, and this, those lawsuits came on the back of more reporting from Kotaku as part of a large investigative piece, um, last summer, um, uh, which everyone should go read, you know, it's inside the culture of sexism at Riot Games, it's a tremendous piece uh, from Cecilia over there, um, that really got the ball rolling on, uh, on Riot and sort of their culture in general, um, in which a number of people have filed lawsuits, um, with various levels of allegations that, um, sort of like came out of, um, uh, that piece um and so yeah so there was uh enough talk of a walkout that there was an actual discussion of it internally um in uh sort of like a riots like private slack channel on uh, which their uh, uh chief diversity officer who is a relatively recent hire there was again also a response to this piece from kotaku uh last summer um uh, in which the there was sort of an acknowledgement uh about the I, mean, I guess i'll just read this this quote and then we can kind of um, unpack it from there. Um, so the, the chief diversity officer, uh, Angela Roseboro, Rosebur- Roseboro,
1: Rose- um, Roseboro, Roseboro. Yeah. Roseboro,
0: uh, uh, said, um, as part of a larger, um, statement. Uh, we're also where there would be an upcoming walkout and recognize some rioters are not feeling heard. We want to open a dialogue on Monday and invite rioters to join us for a small group of sessions where we can talk through your concerns and provide as much context as we can about where we've landed and why. If you're interested, please take a moment to add your name to the spreadsheet. We're planning to keep those sessions smaller so we can have more candid dialogue. It is weird to say rioters several times. <laughs> drop the fucking branding when well, you're especially- you know, trying to...
1: Literally yeah. during population management. Literally, like yeah. we would like it if yes. the rioters would disperse, <laughs> uh, um, so that we can deal with them in smaller group form.
0: Which is like, and there's, and I mentioned this in the piece, but like a deep irony, um, whether uh, you know Angela realizes it or not, in in asking, saying we're going to do some small group sessions, when the uh, the reason for discussion of a walkout was because. They are asking for people to just what about what if we don't do these lawsuits and we just have some quiet sessions where we talk about what yep. happened, which is basically what you know private arbitration is. Um, it's part of a growing trend in uh, uh, corporations, especially over the last like five years, I would say, in which um, there's been a, a movement to put uh, specifically in employment contracts that you cannot you're bar by taking employment you are barred from suing the company. In exchange, and, and instead are forced, if you have any dispute that would otherwise be handled in a court of law with a jury, with a judge, is then handled one-on-one uh, in private arbitration, which is – it's not to say change can't happen, but it does mean that like class action lawsuits can't happen. It just there are a lot of ways that ed, uh, gives an advantage, a power advantage to the corporation and prevents. Well, and how workers do f- from, firms who
3: do private arbitration make their money? Yeah, too. like right, yeah. like like yeah. well, how like how do they get, generate revenue from doing arbitration? it's not by being paid by both sides equally like that's not the business <laughs> model it is like these companies like companies are retaining the firms that do the arbitration it's it's a it's a lot like the way that um you know re- again it's the regulatory capture model right yeah. where like court of law is impartial that can be a problem there's a bunch of people who don't know us who don't do business with us what if people we have an example pre existing relationship with or a relationship with our law firm, uh, you know, what if what if those people that we kinda know handle handle our dispute? Uh I'm sure there'll be plenty impartial. And weirdly, the stats appear to not bear that out.
0: <laughs> uh yeah, and there was and there was a uh Supreme Resource uh decision uh I think just last week, um, five to four in the conservative because that's the that's the world we live in now mm-hmm. and for a whole generation at least. Um It's sort of like solidifying this as, you know, if you have signed away your right to sue, you have signed away uh, your right uh, to sue. And um, yeah, so uh, this walkout hasn't happened, but there was there was talk of it Um, in the piece. I point out that it's uh, sort of unclear like this. I don't want to give the illusion that all of Riot Games was about to walk out Um, sort of like the size of this is. Was a little unclear based on sort of the the reporting I was able to to get in this morning, um, but um, to say the size of the walkout is um, less uh, important than the fact that the company found it important enough to acknowledge, which gives you a sense of the unrest. Right, and twice right is t- twice. Yeah, so there was a internal statement um, to the Slack, and then. <laughs> Very humorously, uh, like right as before, we we're about to hit publish. Literally um,
1: seconds. Literally, we we're literally like, go ahead and hit pop, I, and I was put like, it Wait. in
0: the original, yeah. like the version, the article you're reading is not the original version of the story. It's it's uh, the one I hit publish on, so we could get it out there. And then I added in some uh, quotes from an email from uh, Riot CEO, um, in which they mentioned that they had, they had uh, issued a statement to a, a publication that was not that <laughs> was not Waypoint. All credit to Kotako and Cecilia. I spent the entire morning. D- us refreshing katako being like, yo, are we gonna are we gonna beat Cecilia on this like or not because she has just done an extraordinary job um uh following this beat and exposing a lot of the wrongdoing happening at Riot. But um so uh Riot CEO um uh in it uh mentioned this statement. Um we're proud of our colleagues for standing up for what they believe in. We always want writers, just stop. Stop. We always want rioters to have the opportunity to be heard, so we're sitting down uh, today with rioters to listen to their opinions and learn more about their perspectives on arbitration. We'll also be discussing this topic during our biweekly all-company town hall on Thursday. Both are important forms for us to discuss our current policy and listen to rioter feedback, which are both important parts of evaluating all of our procedures and policies, including those related to arbitration the piece i mentioned that i at that at the, as of as of that writing i had not gotten that statement since then Wright has passed on uh, that statement to me uh formally so um yeah like really you know i th- this is uh, you know i think when we've been talking about the evolution of the industry as this discussion of unionization yeah. labor conditions crunch work is been what's the um like wh- where is the tipping point where do we start seeing cracks in the existing foundation where potentially workers decide to start collectively ch- attempting to wrestle some of that power back. And I I am inclined to think we're going to look back at this moment as, I don't know what happened to Riot. You know, I, I'm not saying Riot's about to unionize or about like everything's going to be super Who great knows? at Riot, you know, yeah. starting tomorrow. Um, but the fact that this was discussion responded to that you see a company in real time having to wrestle with even the notion of people collectively trying to exercise power is is fascinating and 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 you know honestly encouraging about potential larger trends I, in the industry.
1: It's also a really important thing to kind of zoom in on here and Remember that the only conversation around labor is not just the crunch conversation. The crunch conversation is important. We've had it a lot lately with with conversations around stuff happening at Epic, stuff happening, reportedly happening at at NetherRealm. Both of those are, 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 you know, uh, reports. Um, But there are other ways in which uh, employees, there are other ways in which employers can take advantage of employees, can uh, maneuver uh, in such a way to limit the power of employees, to push back against things like Crunch, but also other types of bad working conditions, um, which includes – and in this case, uh, a a long history of sexual misconduct, of bad workplace environment. Um, The the arbitration stuff here, the real problem with it is that it isn't only about collective bargaining around work hours. This is a way in which individual employees who have faced uh, truly negative and harmful actions taken by the members of of their employer, often people very high-ranking, lose the ability to come together as a class and make take action uh at at something that has been a trend and is not just a one off right this is not just like hey a bad thing happened to me let's deal with that over here the one of the reasons that this is so important is that When something like this emerges inside of a company as a trend, you want those people to be able to organize and sometimes they aren't in the same part of the company. Sometimes they aren't – they wouldn't even be part of the same union if there was – if there had been unionization or or, uh, some sort of uh, collective work already happening. And so just it's an important reminder to pay attention to the margins and to pay attention to other ways in which employers restrict uh, collective action – and, to, you know, kind of uh, do their best to squeeze out more from from who their workers are.
2: It's so important to 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 for uh, disparate uh, areas of the company to have that for that way of communication to have, you know, uh, non-management be able to communicate with each other um, in uh, across, you know, uh, departments and things like that where communication wouldn't not normally be i mean even in day to day like r- regardless of just you know issues and things like that even uh uh day to day interaction isn't yeah. as common um so especially in in um instances like this it's so important for that communication to be open
1: it's so funny that like the it's not funny but it's it's telling that that the thing that was the straw that broke the camel's back here was the idea of of uh, losing the ability to to uh, bring them to court as a class, mm. um, and their response is all right. Let's not everybody do a thing all at once. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> literally, the same response is like we're going to break down into smaller groups and come. Please come to those sessions. You know, I you you read the statement already. Like there is, they are very much soft peddling their thing at this point. They are not saying like. And if you do a walkout, you'll be fired like they are doing the response that you expect a company who who has as many leaks as Riot has at this point. Right. They, they're they they're in a position
0: where, yeah, like the moment something is being leaked in real time, it's being sent out to reporters, which is like, you know, you're seeing this. Uh, we actually saw this, you know, even here at Vice last week with Motherboard's great reporting they've been doing yeah. on Twitter and their close examination of uh you know, their policies over like white nationalism and, and the implications of that is that the moment like leaking tends to happen, leaking itself is often a reaction to a toxic work environment because people feel the need to put themselves at great risk in order to try and raise awareness on an issue. Um, you know, that's not exclusively the case with leaking, right? Like Telling someone with the new Assassin's Creed game is not <laughs> like sticking your ne- neck out there in that same regard, but it it has often been true when I've done reporting. When you look at other reporting, is like usually like instantaneous leaks like this are people. It, it means there's a vacuum of power, right? Like where going if um, this is I, I don't think uh, I'm not sure if it was in the piece or not, but uh, I think it got cut. But uh, one of the sources we talked to. You know, acknowledge this is like the only time things started changing around here, or at least even the facade or the, 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 the like, we're going to pretend to change within Riot mm-hmm. was after people talked to the press, after people yeah. talked to Cecilia and she did a really damning portrait of so damning, in fact, that like they were forced to like hire, a, a, you know, a diversity officer and like start to give the appearance, like, regardless of where, whether change occurred, like, m- make meaningful, like, Public-facing and public-facing, I mean in sort of like the the private sense to their employees that like, oh, we're taking this seriously. This is an issue, which is usually it's just you get a statement and then I don't know. You know, look at what happened with Epic and Fortnite, right? right. Like they gave a statement to Polygon and their piece about Fortnite. But, you know, what happens next is like a really open question.
2: I, I think it's also uh, so telling that, you know, the reaction was not to have – a wider discussion and was to instead like inst- uh, hold smaller meetings with like smaller groups of people, which to me seems like an attempt at, you know, breaking down anonymity, identifying right, voices, identifying like, I don't know the, the most cynical kind of version of me sees that as like identifying st- like where how stories are moving, or how how perspectives and and voices are moving throughout the company. You can ID what someone kind, who's
1: like a good who you're like oh wow this person has talking points. Hmm.
2: Those talking points are like very familiar yeah. to things like maybe that Kotaku has reported out or something right. like that's the most sort of like cynical version of me that sees these smaller rooms as being like you can you can literally see all five people in front of you and what they're saying, and also that's. That's an that's an environment I would feel as a uh, non-management less comfortable to voice my opinion totally. in because I don't have. There's something about uh, collective action that feels empowering um, because you have so many voices behind you and around you and like willing to partake with you, but in such a small environment, being singled out and what if you're it happened to be in the room with like the four company people like the four like what I mean by that is like the four people who align with company like yeah. company's interests with management's interest and you're the one singled out like I, I I just find those smaller environments to not always be the case that they're as productive for non-management and really are kind of can be intimidating.
1: I think that's a totally, totally good point. Like I, especially given, I mean, you say like you're, it's your most cynical self, but honestly, I think that's the history bears this out, right? Mm -hmm. This is a technique that was used in union busting. This is a technique used to halt uh, organization. Like this Mm -hmm. isn't a, you're not, you're not like um, talking about like witchcraft here. You're not like, Oh, this is a thing that, you know, you're not, uh, this is real. Like this happened for a century when workers across the world were trying to organize and get better, Mm -hmm conditions for themselves this is a key technique of identifying the people who are who are leading that charge yeah. um and taking action taking action against them from that point on or making mm-hmm. sure that they are separate from other people like i think you're you're dead on with that analysis is like one of the ways that that that, that works even if it's not intended yeah. even if they have an hr rep who is like i think this is the best way to blah 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 yeah yeah uh, it could be unintended but part of it is that it can have a chilling effect on people who want to speak up and be louder yeah. that that a bigger town hall for instance would not necessarily have that same effect
2: but you would have that one unifying voice which you know i can see how sort of fragmented perspectives and fragmented voices could lose power if they if those perspectives seem too individualistic to management like if this is like oh well this is this individual's experience and instead and we've talked about this before with collective action we've talked about this before with you know uh uh uh, seeking um, progress uh, within marginalized communities against like l- larger uh, institutions of power, um, in the sense that you know one unifying voice may lose sort of the the individual, but there are compromises to be made yeah. for like stronger sort unification and in having like a stronger collective voice, and I could see how by fragmenting the the sort of one unit you have less to kind of go off of because it seems so, it could it could be seen as anecdotal almost. Right, it's
1: exactly that. And what you hear a lot is like, you'll hear this a lot when you talk to people who've already left a company. The company response is so often like, well, yes, this one employee had a negative experience with a manager. That was about personality clashing or that was about, uh, you know, difference in expectations. Mm-hmm. Or But this was just one anecdote, which when you're in a room with a bunch of people or when you have actually a small conversation happening between a collective bargaining unit that needs to represent a whole and Mm -hmm. has to vote on behalf of an entire big group of people. Mm -hmm. And like those things have to come together in a way that like does try to represent Mm -hmm. the nuance of different uh, differing opinions Mm -hmm. like that gives you the strength to overwhelm that idea that like, oh, this is just a one off a single person's perspective. Totally. I think another thing that's super interesting about reporting this out today was I mean, I think all of us have been have been seen these stories um, a lot of times over the last few years. But, you know, honestly, for those of us who've been in the industry for a while, going all the way back to the EA spouse, the Rockstar spouse stories to previous stories on crunch to previous stories on on quote unquote passion, like all of these stories that we've reported out over the years. One of the things that, that has been missing has been an expert source of who wants to talk about labor and labor conditions from the perspective that believes that workers need more power. Um, and so it was fascinating here to be able to go to game workers unite and get a quote from a group that is invested, not only go to the company because traditionally what you would have in a, a version of the story that we would have reported out this time last year would have been given the time constraints would have been, you get sources, you talk, you, you say what the sources, you know, have, have told you, you verify it and, and you report that. Plus you get quote from the company and that's kind of it. Like, you know, maybe you link out to an op-ed about the general conditions. Mm-hmm. Maybe you're, you link out to some previous reporting. But we have quotes from Emma Canema here who is uh, an organizer with Game Workers Unite who was able to provide a perspective – from an organization that is all about labor and labor organization to go alongside the company's own one and that way like it's it's still a reported piece this is not an op-ed right this isn't something that i think you can like dismiss but there's a whole this is one of the reasons why i i always you know Underline that there is no such thing as purely objective reporting. There are always perspectives that get left off the table. And that But there's
0: this is they're like, you know, go read, you know, the piece I wrote about Activision, you know, following the layoffs. Right. Like, there's a, <laughs> it's, like, d- those are different ways of sort of yes, attacking. You, we handle the it same differently. Problem.
1: That was a situation where it was like, even we this podcast, the podcast, right, is a, is a different. Uh, oh, 100%. You know, the, the, uh, way,
0: the way we're speaking it here is like way differently than we would publish it as in, a story. Like a piece. Yeah,
1: yeah, absolutely. But I think that it's interesting that. This is now that something like Game Workers Unite exists now. As a potential source for this sort of expert quote that just didn't exist a year ago, especially if you're trying to rush and hit a deadline. Maybe you go off and talk to a labor academic. Maybe you go talk to a different labor union that's related. But now there is an organization that has made it its business to be experts at this thing. And I suspect that we'll see further kind of cascading out you know, uh, of this as people continue to report on these stories. That like that will be a source that people go to for their perspective. Mm. Who. That was a long one. Yeah. That was a long, like... It's,
0: yeah, it's, it's 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 interesting to watch this happen in real time because we're, like, Riot itself is acting as sort of a... It's like a, you know, we've talked a lot in, you know, theoreticals about, like, what would it be like if these conversations started to happen? And now you start to see that... I mean, obviously, we, you know, public statements we're getting are different than private statements, and, you know, change is different than than just, you know, promising to do it. But I I can't help but continue to be fascinated by just the fact that even any of this is occurring. Um, But I think also, like, have to remember part of the reason it got to a walkout stage is because despite Riot's internal claims to change, that that itself can also be deceiving because they promised to change and now we're, you know, eight months later and – then the news comes out that they're trying to get rid of these lawsuits and then they even use language like oh well we're we're empathetic we, you know we understand um, we'd like to have a dialogue about you know the choice of arbitration but like nowhere in there is you know what you're right like we're going to drop this and you know what if the company has to be held to task you know we'll we'll deal with that in the court of law like they didn't <laughs> they're not dropping the the no, the notion that they're going to try and push for arbitration and probably win right? Like, you know, it's not cynicism to suggest that they are probably going to win out on that. The Supreme Court just affirmed that you've you've signed away your right to sue. You've signed away your right to sue. Um, And so I think it's going to be, I'm, I'm deeply curious to see what the reaction is internally from here, because I worry that it could just be the same cycle, right? Like, oh, we have a right. town hall. Yep. We have these small meetings. And then six months from now, it's update like status quo um but you know that said i i also choose to be optimistic in that the conversation itself is a marker that some progress is being made even if you know the the tipping point doesn't end up actually being riot itself um you know t- five years ago we weren't even the talk of a walkout was not
1: <laughs> yeah, you know, that
0: realistic that at all even another yep. even another realm stuff right like PC Gamer ended up doing a pretty, pretty great piece uh, building off what was happening on social media. But you had people putting their names to stories about what they experienced at NetherRealm. And that's people putting their names on it, right? Like that's part of, you know, this whole is all connected of like, what is the usefulness of of collective bargaining? What is the usefulness of, uh, part of that is because as a group, you know, not a single one can be uh, sort of taken out and, you know, seeing people put their actual names on the line and in a lot of ways putting their careers on the line. Like once one person does that, another person feels more comfortable doing that. And so these all act as like small, but I think important markers that I'm, I don't know. I don't know where this goes from here. I, I, I also choose to, I'm optimistic and also cynical about it, but I'm I'm glad it's happening, um, even though I don't know where it you know ultimately lands.
1: Rob, do you think that, Riot being the League's developer and being such a big eSports company puts them in a different category of game developer than something like Rockstar or these other companies, NetherRealm. You know, if Epic is kind of in the middle right now. I don't know what to say about Epic and, and its eSports potential given the rise of Fortnite, but like League of Legends is such a big part of what eSports is. I'm curious if League's great success and... and, and uh, uh, leagues kind of central place and riot central place in esports makes it a different type of developer that makes something
3: like this more or less likely to have happened. I think it predisposes them to have not seen something like this coming. Mm. Like I think riot in terms of having been uh, not necessarily first to market, but the people who, undoubtedly reaped the most reward from uh, releasing their own MOBA based on Defense of the Ancients uh, from having been one of the first developers to really throw a lot of money and resources into creating an eSports league and owning their own broadcast uh, you know from end to end. I think it was very easy for them, to tell themselves the story that I think a lot of companies like to tell about themselves, which is that we're very cutting edge. We're flexible. We're very new. The The old rules don't apply to us. We're in the trenches here together. And we don't have that. Uh, we don't have the traditional like uh, hierarchical uh, management structure and us versus them mentality between managers and workers. And I think I don't know how it's changed in the last few years, but my, my suspicion and my feeling from, uh, having met a fair number of, of, uh, riot personnel, you know, years ago is that they definitely were sort of high on that supply. This was a story yeah. they told about themselves that they believed this was a company culture that they believed was, uh, real and it was, it was a good thing, uh, Thinking back on that, also a lot of the people <laughs> telling you that were men,
1: right?
3: Uh, and in terms of when you encountered women at Riot, usually it was in a corporate comms or PR role. Uh, that was, you know, that that's probably too broad a generalization. But in terms of like people they brought out to like show as names and personalities and people you should know about, like who are running uh, Riot and developing League of Legends, that that what who they showcased was were predominantly men. Uh, And I think that probably makes them less capable of handling like this something great, uh, less capable of handling something like this gracefully, because I think that sort of culture, that sort of background is how you end up pissing people off, because once you've lost the room. All those things you used to do. Let's talk about this in small groups. Let's flatten this. Let's let's be informal. Let's let's just you know connect person to person. Let's let's set the you know take take roles and responsibilities outside the room. Let's just be people here. All that stuff. Once you've lost the room, just infuriates people. It's not seen as being in good faith. It's not a serious response to any of the actual complaints people are raising. Uh, bad culture flourished under the old model. So why are you saying, well, this is how we do things here. We're rioters. Uh, once people no longer view that as a satisfactory answer to why you should give them the time of day for why you should not view the people, uh, you know, parking in the, you <laughs> know, showing up in the parking lot with the, with the really fancy sold, sold my company to 10 cent uh, type cars. Uh, once, you know, once people recognize there's a sort of a class division there, a role division there, uh, you can't you can't just go back to saying, "But our company culture, we just we got to go back to the the way we've always been, uh, and surely we can handle this on a more individual basis." Um, and I think that's the struggle we're we're seeing happening right now is. I don't think it was just Senegal. I think they really thought they could go, whoa, let's talk about this. And people were like, damn, you're right. We should <laughs> talk about this. It's like you had years. Right.
2: Yeah. I think there's also something to be said about the fact that Riot is a one-game studio and that there's so much identity behind like the love of the game and the love of League of Legends. And I think that's like a fallback for um for like the company culture almost. Like if you it's just it's it's so the game itself is so ingrained and, and you know, the people the the way that their sort of PR is is like the way that their communications is kind of seen externally, at least to me in the past, has been like everyone who's here is here because they love League of Legends. I just love
1: it so much. You love League of Legends. You just love it so much. You the best thing you could be doing with your life is to work on League of Legends.
3: <laughs> well they've all got those fucking jerseys with their handles on the back of them. Like I mean like if you want to know something like that, right like right. every employee that I've ever met has a sports jersey type t-shirt uh with their online handle printed like an athlete's name on a football jersey over the over the shoulder blades. Um and that is mm. that is how they roll there. And now a lot of people who were there back in back in those days were also kind of unceremoniously let go over the years. Like that's the other thing is there've already been sort of rounds of downsizing and purging at riot, uh, that didn't get a lot of attention, but at the same time, like again, internally, that's the sort of stuff that probably begins to make clear bit by bit that things have changed and that relationship isn't what it was, you know, that we're all just here cause we love the game. We're just so high on this, man. There's a lot of people who love the game who aren't here anymore. Yeah. Uh, and there's a lot of people here who love the game who had a shitty employment experience and that didn't protect them. And didn't right. make you know, you didn't you didn't handle it like friends who had their back uh, when it came up.
1: Yeah, totally. Well, we will see where it goes from here. I'm so curious to see what the next couple of weeks holds because you know, my my real hope as just an individual is that these sorts of counteractions by the company don't sway the workers who are planning to do a walkout and planning to make it very clear the degree to which there, They want things to change. And more importantly, I want things to change, you know? Um, and I want there to be – when I say I want things to change, I don't mean – I don't just mean that I want the individual current actions to – or current problems to be fixed. I want there to be put into place processes by which the employees can readily and regularly speak their minds with power. And to me, that is about organization. To me, that is about opening up methods – for the for the the people who hold the levers of power to be held accountable. Um, and that, that means more than just like, oh yeah, we're going to walk back this one thing on arbitration. You know? Um, just
3: a question for y'all too. How careful, I, I'm just curious in general, how careful should employees be about being on a company slack? Pretty like, I've been at workplaces where like, it was very clear that I was being snooped on. Yeah. Like 100%, like there were things that were said that like, People saying them should not have known unless they knew about conversations that, like, a group of coworkers and I had had uh, in DMs on the company server, and like that was sort of a moment where it's like, shit, like this is this is not just co- like it is a company tool, but it works in a couple different ways, not just the <laughs> one we thought. Uh, I am curious because part of the story is they're sending, they're trying to sort of tamp this down over the company Slack hey, y'all, just want to <laughs> add here, just just want to let you know, uh, at, at, at channel. channel, you know that walkout y'all were uh, thinking of doing?
1: At one, um, riot, hashtag one riot. Um, yeah. It's... yeah. I mean, like, okay, go ahead.
2: I would, like, if, if you are messaging on a company-owned server, yeah, that shit's going to be compromised. Like, <laughs> um... That's just like the nature of the thing. It's just I wouldn't know.
3: even have those water cooler conversations on that. Right? I'm get like, that it's Wi-Fi. Like, Boy, can You believe this shit? You catch yeah. me on
1: catch me on Signal on my on my fucking regular ass phone. LTE. You know on LTE. Yes. <laughs> yeah. You know, Let me go. I'm gonna drive out to the to the coffee shop where I know there's a different antenna nearby. <laughs> uh No, but like I think that the, like you know, um, in, infosec is important in many different ways, and there is you know there are. I absolutely – if I was in that position – thankfully, I'm in a place where there is already a union. But if I was here and needed to – wanted to unionize, I would be very thoughtful about where I had those conversations. Not because the – it's as easy as like, oh, we see this person is unionizing because we are looking in a private Slack channel. Um, But because there are – there is a lot that goes into putting that sort of organization together uh, and that – you know – you never. I mean, there's so many op- so many ways to look back over time and look at particular people who broke with an organization or a movement towards towards organizing and flipped all that stuff immediately. Uh, there are so many times at which having that information gave uh, employers a leg up as a way to quickly like know where the problems are, so that they could start to apply fixes. Uh, On certain things without having to fix the entire system, it's like if you think about a workplace as like a big like system of pipes and leaks. You, in order to have what you don't want to have happen, is the whole thing to fall apart. Mm -hmm. But what what you can what you can see is if there are enough leaks at once, you can get enough uh, kind of power to be like, "Yo, we have to fix this whole thing." But what workers are, what companies often will do is once they know that you're nearing that point, they will try to identify a couple of key, very visible. Uh, leaks in the pipeline that they can oh look we but we fixed the big ones and like okay but like the core problem is we need someone in here we need all new pipes like yeah. we don't just need like band aids on these pipes mm-hmm. we need new pipes yeah um and so the part of a part of the strategy has to be about organizing in smart ways where you can t- get to where you take action instead of uh, have all of that momentum kind of uh, deflated mm-hmm.
2: corporations are are made of pipes. <laughs>
1: Wow. Just a few weeks ago, you didn't know that the internet was made of tubes, and now you know that corporations are made of pipes.
2: I'm growing. <laughs> Fantastic.
1: Um. All right. I think we might be done for the day. I'm going to go get a hamburger. Oh, That's that what sounds I'm going to go do. I'm going to get a hamburger and a, a black cherry soda. Oh. My fave.
2: My fave.
1: One of my faves. Easy.
2: My my fave.
1: What's everyone's favorite soda in the world? Cherry Coke. Cherry Coke is good. I like a birch beer. Y'all ever had a oh, birch yeah. beer?
2: Kato, had... uh, yes.
1: Yeah, Kato said fuck yeah. If y'all never had a birch beer, you should try a birch beer. Pennsylvania Dutch birch beer. Let I, I me tell you. I don't think I have. They're
0: good. I don't what... drink soda. That's fine. Do you also, like
2: carbonated drinks in general?
1: You like a seltzer? You like a well, flavored I... seltzer?
0: Uh, no, I'd. My. Uh... I consider it to be like a vice. So it's like I drink enough beer and I just like I don't need <laughs> yeah, extra. That's fair. Like that's just, that's I, I drink coffee, I drink water and like those are my, so like coffee's where I get my caffeine. Okay, I will say occasionally I have uh, the little small, like the little mini Cokes mm. because like sometimes I'm tired at like 5.30. Yeah. And I don't want to. <laughs> you don't want to. coffee. I don't want to drink another coffee. Yeah. yeah. Um, and it honestly doesn't do that much whereas like one of those small little Cokes is just like, and again, but that's just for me pure caffeine. When I, when I was a kid, when I drank shitloads of soda, Mountain Dew Code Red all day, baby.
1: <laughs> oh my God. True gamer hours. That shit's gross. It's, it's so, so gross.
0: gross. I
3: can't, I cannot. I think back Baja to
0: drinking blasts, it and that? I'm yeah. retroactively disgusted
3: with myself.
2: Baja Blast. I drank. Shit, I drank
0: though.
3: so much of that. It's one of those things, like I had that a couple of years ago when I realized how much my taste buds had changed. Yeah. Because yeah. like, I remember it from when it came out. And I was like, "It's like ridiculous. Like it's like the most intense Shirley Shirley Temple you've ever had." Mm -hmm. Uh, And when I had it like a couple years ago, I was like, "Well, this is kind of nauseating. This is (laughs) this is not this is not Mountain Dew
2: in front of me, a gamer's uh huh mind."
3: I thought
1: you were gonna say mom, (laughs) a gamer's mom.
2: I have a gamer. His name is Sox.
1: Aw. Sox is a gamer now. Yeah. The joyous gamer is here and yeah. is here to defend Mountain Dew. I will. Wow. The Doritos. I told also? you about
2: Mountain Dew. Oh, one of my favorite soda. I love soda. One of my favorite <laughs> sodas is uh, Mountain Dew made with cane sugar. Okay, yeah, sure. It comes in like white wow. cans. Oh, that shit is bomb.
1: Was that just caffeine and cane sugar basically?
2: I mean, yeah. Okay. It was so good, though. I used to get it going up to the mountains for, like, a ski weekend. Oh. And they would only have it in this one, like, little supermarket in the mountains. Mountain Dew. Cane sugar.
1: <laughs> it, where, were you, where were these mountains? <laughs> what state? Georgia? North Carolina? Where are you at?
2: California. <laughs> oh,
1: California. Oh, so these are, like, gold mining. Yeah, exactly. Like That's the- what it
2: It's like. A, it's like a gold pan man.
1: Is prospector? on, a prospector is on the can?
2: Yeah, 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 100%, huh. 100%. Wow.
1: hmm That's why you had that voice. Sure. Uh-huh. Prospecting for some caffeine.
2: Anyway, Baja Blast is good. I will defend it <laughs> forever. Yeah. Anytime I'm at talk about catch me fucking drinking Mount, Mountain Dew Baja Blast, baby. Frozen I, or iced. I, I,
1: <laughs> Wait, frozen or iced?
2: Yeah, over ice. Oh, okay. I think it meant frozen. like an icy... No, I mean, those are well, that's thing. frozen. Yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. Or iced.
0: Like a cocktail, you know, get some of those. <laughs> yeah, that's what in I'm there.
2: saying. Margarita, I'm would you like neat, it please? frozen on rocks, or <laughs> on the rocks?
1: I'd love it on the
3: rocks. Please. I
2: choose Baja Blast. Usually I'm more of a frozen Baja Blast person, but sometimes I get a Baja Blast on the rocks, you know.
3: Don't let them serve you ice chips either. No, 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 no. Only cut from a block. Oh, That's, yeah. oh, that's yeah. the only way I'll have my deal. Oh, mm-hmm.
2: God.
1: Any one of those ice spheres? Yeah. It's the
2: fucking rock. The
1: rock. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I just, a chilled glass for me. I don't want to water it down at all. I don't want my Mountain Dew stepped on. You know no, what I mean? No, absolutely not. Well, I need a pure and uncut.
2: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Raw. hmm Yeah.
1: That good white. <laughs> um, Is that, Kata, do you have a favorite soda?
2: No. He no. no. Yes.
1: yes. What? Fanta strawberry. Fanta. Fanta Sh- I've never had Fanta strawberry. Mm. I like strawberries. It's I bet it good. doesn't. Does it does it not it taste not like strawberry. It's, it's red. What's it taste? Red. It it's red. It's red. Mm. I like red. Red's an okay flavor. It's I don't like purple favorite. that much.
2: Uh, um, I love orange.
1: Orange flavor. Black yeah. yeah. Can be purple sometimes. Oh, black cherry can be purple sometimes. And then it's okay. Yeah. That's
2: as That's, far purple as I usually go
1: like cherry birch stuff. I like a black cherry, I like a birch beer. Birch mm-hmm. birch can be like a deep red. Mm-hmm. Ooh, that's nice. You should try birch beer. I've never. You can't it. get it at a lot of places. You can get it at my favorite pizza place. Is
3: there a chance place. it can be at Save point?
1: I can see what we can do. I bet we can find a Bodega that has birch beer. Like
2: hey, by the way, this Thursday. Got it. Is Save Point 2019?
1: 2019. 2019.
2: Starting at 12 p.m. That's noon Eastern time.
1: I will not be there.
2: Austin won't be there for the beginning. (laughs) At
1: the beginning. But y'all will be, and I'm super excited to tune in. Well,
2: You're going to tune in while you're at a fucking press event?
1: I don't know. I'll check on my phone and be like, how's it going over there? (laughs) Uh, We are going from noon on Thursday until Sunday at noon, 72 hours total. The Waypoint staff team here will be going from noon... Uh, on Thursday until midnight on Friday. And then the Waypoint mods will be picking up afterwards, raising money for the Trans Lifeline. There's an incredible interview uh, with Rob and a representative from the Trans Lifeline. It's in the feed. If you haven't listened to it, go listen to it to kind of understand why it is so important Mm -hmm. uh, to help raise money for this great cause. Uh, I'm super excited about it. Rob and Patrick will be in town. Danielle will be there. We'll have friends from across Vice, friends from our, our friends here in New York. We'll swing through. We have friends. I swear we have friends. I
2: swear. They're I swear. coming. I swear.
1: <laughs> Mom, Dad, I promise I made a lot of friends. I promise I'm not lonely. It's okay. <laughs> I'm having a good time. Send in... me a care package though. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Send me some Doritos. Thank you. Bye. And a Baja and, blast. And a Baja blast. <laughs> God. Um, all right. I think on that note, we are going to wrap up here. For more information on SavePoint, you can find uh you can go to waypointzone savepoint 2019 uh, as always, thank you to Bowen for letting us use the track Miss you off the EP Pale machine. To find out more about that at waypoint.zone slash uh, B O E N. To follow and read the story that Patrick reported uh, today on Riot. And for everything else we do, you can go to waypoint.vice.com. Tomorrow, is uh, we're going to be recording our Avengers Endgame. Spoiler cast for Waypoint. So send your questions into gamingadvice.com for that. We already recorded our Sekiro spoiler cast. I know people are, are hyped on that. That'll go up later this week.
2: Featuring Joel.
1: Featuring Joel. Joel Fowler, Waypoint's own Joel Fowler, is there to talk about uh, favorite bosses, to talk about what we think about animals, to talk about uh, I items. Good things. We like animals.
2: Okay, good. I'll be listening. Um, you should.
1: It's good. Well, no, you shouldn't because it's spoilers. Oh
2: fuck yeah.
1: We should listen. <laughs> it's still good. Um, mm-hmm. Okay. Anything else going on uh, besides besides the stuff we've already talked about this week? Anything else people need to know? I don't think so. I think that's it. Follow me on Twitter at also. Oh, on...
2: I have something people need to know.
1: What do people need to know?
2: Uh, right now, we're in the middle of a third anniversary Kingdom Hearts Union Cross event. Um, <sighs> I I uh, am still playing. I'm opening up my clan soon. I'm just preparing it. Just stay tuned for guild information. You can find me on Twitter at Natalie Watson for guild information for Kingdom Hearts. Where Union can cross. people?
1: Where can people find you on Twitter? And what guild are you a part of, Patrick?
0: At Patrick Clapping.
1: No guild. Wow, the Patrick Club. Unaffiliated. Guild? No. Freelance.
0: I'm on. I'm on my own. Okay. I'm, I'm, but I'm Long taking wolf. pitches.
1: Okay. For guild pitches. If you're in a guild, you let. Pa- if you're in a guild with open spots, you let Patrick know. Really needing a guild uh, Rob Zachney, where can people find you and what is the guild you are affiliated with
2: <laughs> uh,
3: at Rob Zachney on Twitter um, there's a story about a guild I was a part of but wait, I'm not sure I can get wait, into it here
1: Wait wait <laughs> what's this what happened what was your guild?
3: so the thing is you have the thing you have to really understand is that it was really naive. Uh-huh. As a kid, like I was a, like a very sheltered white kid from the suburbs, and I played the original Delta Force a lot. Uh huh. Uh, do you remember that? Like voxel shooter, mm-hmm. military shooter series one for a number of games, but Delta Force one was really, really good. Yeah, thank you. Uh-huh. Uh, and I played an awful lot of it. Uh huh. And by the time I played it, the community was dying, uh-huh. and there weren't that many people, but I was like the king of that community. I was just a tremendous player. Yeah. Um, And I just was like kicking so much ass That some players that I saw pretty regularly And a lot of them were pretty good I'm
1: remembering parts uh, of the story And I'm worried
3: Yeah Um. I mean we can bail out No you no, keep going keep Rob going.
1: Let, them, let them know You made the right a- mm. <laughs> So, who found you? Uh, who saw you out among the voxel hills of Delta Force for the for the personal computer and said, "We need him."
3: A guild called the White Knights. Huh. Oh. Yeah. <gasps> Which, in <laughs> retrospect, <laughs> I realize now, what kind of knight? What type you of mean? In- yeah. But to me, I was like, "Oh, Lancelot's kind of lame," but you know, yeah. I'm sure. Cool, white knights, oh, right? White the big guys. Yeah. Sure, uh-huh. that sounds awesome.
0: It's medieval times. You got to pick a color. Got,
1: mm-hmm.
3: Black knight yeah. forever,
2: baby. Black I night was at medieval times. Black <laughs> well,
3: that comes up. Oh. oh. <laughs> so there's a schism that opens in this group. There's some offline drama happening. I don't fully get what it is, but Always a lot of members are groups. talking to each other suddenly uh-huh. and like people are like splitting off and there's like various like splinter groups adopting different versions of the like white knight clan tag and, and you all you were a
2: child? <laughs>
3: uh, yeah. Okay. And I was like, I don't fully know what's going on. I don't know why this is all becoming so dramatic, but, uh, like so, a couple guys were like, "You yeah, gotta come over to our guild," and I was like, "I don't know." Uh, and they were, and then it, they were like, "Well, we also need a name. Like, we can't be the White Knights anymore because that 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 guild sucks. They're oh. they're terrible." And I was like, "Well, we could be the Black Knights." And they're like, "No, it can't be the Black Knights." And I was like, "Why?" And they're like, "Look, it just can't. It doesn't work." And I was like, "But Black Knights cooler, cooler anyway. It's like you know the army." And they were like. Look, man, it just can't be the black man. <laughs> oh no! Oh, wow! And now wrong. that I think about, it, no. I am pretty sure one group like was like, "We'll be the white wizards." And
1: Ooh. oh, the big, well, by that Gand- point, I was big gone. Gandalf fans—they
3: love <laughs> yeah. Gandalf. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Got it. Not that, that Saruman the many colored. No, no, no. 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 That, <laughs> one no. color only, please. <laughs> yeah. They were I, yeah. oh,
1: they would have hated so, me. So <laughs> uh,
3: at that point, the whole thing started to, like, I don't know. It was just because I wasn't, like, I played Delta Force, but I didn't go on boards or anything mm, like that, which, mm. thank God. Like, I think there's, there's an alternate world where I got, like, radicalized into white nationalism and oh, white yeah. supremacy through that fucking game. Totally. Like, the, these, like, online friends that I played with every night, they're like, hey, why don't you come to our, like, Usenet board uh, and learn about your duties to your race? Holy uh like shit. I mean that that's the thing, right? Like this is how they get they get a lot of people. Yeah. <laughs> uh, this is, you know, you're you're there and you don't you don't necessarily hang the sign on the front. Mm-hmm. Uh but anyway, it was it was way too much drama and bullshit for me and I was way better than them anyway. Um so <laughs> yeah. No so I mean what did I was you do? like I was
2: how did
3: you escape? Like deleted the clan tag, and I was like, I don't even know what the point of this is. We barely ever play together anyway as a team. Like who gives a <laughs> shit? So I just deleted the, the clan tag and uh, moved on. And later got uh, recruited by some way way better players, good. Uh, who were part of the uh, Zapatas uh, clan. Hell yeah! Which wow, you yeah, took a whole right? Wow, you just get yeah. in touch with different <laughs> were, parts of your hair. You, you know, they were real fucking good.
2: Hell yeah. That's
1: I what I'm bet. talking about. I bet. And I'm all at Austin underscore Walker and you can find me on the MS Gaming Zone playing Rainbow Six with uh, Clan TDS, That Damn Sniper. We're a bunch of campers, and we don't have any, uh, any, any qualms about that. <laughs> <laughs> I don't have a big story. We just shot people a lot in oh. Rainbow Six. It was oh.
2: Good. oh, this is real.
1: This was real. Oh, this was okay. around the same time that Rob was <laughs> flirting with white nationalists. We
0: weren't hanging out on 10... 10- or M player? No, I don't fuck
1: around with M Play. I don't fuck around with, with 10. I don't fuck around with there was another one. What was the other one? MS Gaming Zone was where I was at. That was it.
2: That sounds like a nice place. It was
3: ten not. is where I played,
2: because
0: oh. you could ten you could like it was able to trick games like Duke Nukem to play over the internet.
1: Um Game Spy. I don't fuck that. with Game Spy. Catch me on MSN. That's where my messenger is anyway. <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs>
1: that is really truly gonna do it for us today. Uh, I'm excited about Save Point. Everyone should tune in for that and enjoy the rest of the podcast we got going on this week. Somebody else help take me out of this extra long, bonus,
3: super good Monday podcast. Tamarind Jaritos. That is my. That is my soda. What is that?
2: Tamarind Jaritos. I don't know what that is. Yeah, you do. Do I? Yeah. yeah.
1: You know how Yeah, oh, no, yeah, was, like... you do. Yeah, you do. Yeah, Jarritos. <laughs> Thank you for putting it in words I can understand. Uh uh, waiter, can I can I get some Gyarados? Can I get some Gyarados like the Pokemon? Please. Can I get some Gatorade? Ma'am. Can, I get, some, can I get some bubbly Gatorade? I please. need it. Please. I'm dying.
2: No. Peace.
1: I don't know why I sound like a Hannah barbaric I need, I need to eat card. lunch. We're going to go eat hamburgers. A hamburger. A burger. A
2: b-b-b-jor-ger. We got
1: to stop this. Go away. Cheeseburger, Bye. Cheeseburger, Peace. Cheeseburger.
2: <laughs> <laughs> All right.
1: I'm going to go get a hamburger.
3: Okay. And I have waveforms. Now to time that is slash just. Just the time without the propaganda.
1: Yeah, I don't need your whatever quote it is. Or da- it's Dance Day. Apparently, it's Dance Day. Is it? And also, the quote today is Pablo Picasso, who says, "It takes a long time to become young."
2: Mm. Make you think. Make you think.
3: Make you think. International. And there was nothing Dance problematic Day. about his approach to that at all. God. Are we good?
1: With mm-hmm. Pablo, no. <laughs> <laughs> Mm-hmm. Uh, Alright, should we clap? Yeah, let's do it. 17 seconds That's the number today Patrick, I need your video I need your face Oh South by Southwest Gaming is now following you <laughs> Finally
0: <laughs> That's what got them over the edge?
1: That was it Apparently. Let me make them big. Please make them big
0: My tweets? Make
1: the tweets bigger. Kado, <laughs> can you make us red again? Yeah.
2: <laughs> I didn't vape <clears throat> or pee during Avengers Endgame.
1: Wow. Wow. Or either one.
2: Neither. Damn.
1: Well, if it had bit, there'd been less people, would have you vaped? Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Is it against the rules to vape in love? Yes, favor?
2: absolutely.
1: Weird. Never bothers me. I don't know.
2: People I would be bothered shit. if people were fucking blowing clouds in front of my face, and it's like, yeah, but don't do that. Not a foggy scene. Maybe if it was like kind of a foggy scene, I'd be like, all right, I appreciate the atmosphere you're providing here by blowing those vape clouds up in the sky during this foggy scene. I love.
1: Oh man, this I love <laughs> the scene in Third Man. It just smells like cotton candy. I just love it Gross. so much.
0: This is like when my wife and I would sneak in cans of beer, and then you're waiting for a loud action oh, to occur
1: yeah,
2: so that yeah. you can. You know, oh you can yeah, it.
1: absolutely, I've been there. That so is- like
0: we're both looking at each other, just waiting. And it's classic, like eventually, I just told her she had, she was not allowed to to pick the spot because <laughs> she just. Every time fucked it up, it goes, and then like immediately be a quiet moment, and then you just hear. And
2: oh, the you whole hear the whole theater uh, can
0: hear the opening of this beer. Yes, yes. And then we started buying bottles like normal people, and uh, oh yeah, that's the way. Playing those do, with, with our feet and having it knock down the stairs, and, and then you that. awkwardly sit there, oh, and pretend oh, that wasn't you. No, your
2: beer. <laughs> that's bad. I think too. I did that with a wine bottle once.
1: Oh my! A, in a theater, dink, a wine in a the theater,
2: dink, yeah. Oh, dink, oh. dink, dink. Yeah, it would dink, be brutal
1: you got to ask for a water cup and just pour it in there and then you put it right there and you're good.
2: Yeah, but it's not, you don't intend to drop the wine. No, you
1: put the wine back in a bag. That way it doesn't fall.
2: Okay. Hopefully you didn't throw out the cork.
1: I didn't because I think ahead. <laughs> <laughs> I have a plan. <laughs>
2: What if it what if you have an open bag like without zipper and it falls out of the bag? You put
1: it Oh my god. What Bring you, a zipper are bag? Are you kicking the bag? Yeah, what are do you like, doing with your bag d- Well, sometimes
2: bags just move around. Maybe there's a fucking scary
1: <laughs> No. You know what I'm going to say? Bags never just move around.
2: Yes. <laughs>
3: you can smuggle booze and socks into the theater. I think that's the problem. If <laughs> you're a like problem trying right to be there. like, look, I need two things, <laughs> a cold one and my dog. <laughs> it's like the, I think
2: <laughs> it's
1: like the riddle with the, the the chicken, the wolf, and the <laughs> and the hay, or whatever.
2: I don't know that one. Okay. <laughs> and we're back. Whatever the fuck it is. Sheep. What is the what's the third? What are thing? you talking? Is this the one with the rate? The Aesop's wolf, Fables. Sheep,
3: lettuce, I
1: think. Lettuce. Lettuce. Is the lettuce the third thing? <clears throat> it's a vegetable of some sort. It's not hay. You're right. It's not hay.
2: there's a house made out of lettuce. That's a different thing.
1: Yeah, you get that at a Cheesecake Factory. <laughs> oh, I just want a lettuce house. Just iceberg that's lettuce just, that's just a, cob, a house.
2: That's a Cobb salad house right there. House of Lettuce
0: would be a good p- name for a, like a
1: salad shop.
0: Yeah. House of Lettuce? House of Lettuce. Ooh, kind of
2: scary. I don't House like of Lettuce.
1: You know? Mm, let us too eat this house. <laughs> <Let> us-
2: <laughs> In this house.
1: <laughs> we eat Lettuce. <laughs> Just
2: iceberg. Uh, please get
1: me a t shirt that says, In this house, we eat lettuce. And then in parentheses, just iceberg. <laughs> and on, on the, the back, back. <laughs> it's a boring house.
2: Um, no dressing.
1: No dressing. Just raw, <laughs> crispy. Ew.
2: I would not, I wouldn't. Mm, no, thanks. Light it. I feel less than human. I feel like a White Walker. Do White Walkers wake up at 4:30 a.m. to go see Avengers: game? It's a trick. They don't to sleep. So. NY Rob, it's Manhattan a... Rob.
0: Well, Sorkin wrote this one, right? Yeah, yeah, um, he did. Rob's and Jeff Daniels. <laughs> Jeff Daniels <laughs> is starring in it. Who's Jeff? Yeah. <laughs> really? You're you gonna rewatch all of uh, newsroom uh, on your way here,
3: right? You know, after my third rewatch, I was like, <laughs> I don't think <laughs> I need. Uh...
2: Who's Jeff Daniels? Well, Olivia
3: Munn wasn't that bad uh, in that show. Show should have been her and uh, oh, no, Sadowski.
2: Uh... I'm looking at him, him up, so I can. I see never see. watched
3: that third. Season. He was
1: the he was the news host in the newsroom, or yes, Dumb and Dumber, the non Jim Carrey character.
2: <laughs> if I saw him in person, I'd be like, <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah. I'd be like, yeah. yeah. Did you are you a dad at my high school or something? That's exactly
3: right. That's that's his career. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Being the dad of a high school student.
3: But kind of a dickish dad, like bitter divorced dad is kind of like every role that calls for kind of like, you know, middle-aged, angry, self-righteous uh Yeah, he belongs Daniels to a, a country
2: club. Doesn't play sports, but just goes. Right.
0: Yeah, he just likes to go there and get a drink. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone else can golf. Mm-hmm. Don't worry, I'll, I'll be at the bar.
2: He'll drive the cart and pack, pack the, pack the fucking cooler. <laughs> Maybe swing a club or two. We should clap. Make a clap.
1: We should pick a tide and then clap. Damn uh, it. Thirty-two. Thirty-two. Okay.
2: Don't listen to my what last What was that one. last clap? That, that was, was Natalie. me being a fucking <laughs> asshole. Yeah,
3: making it harder for Kato. <laughs> That's fine. I got it. I um, thought Patrick had just completely fucked up. Where he was like, yeah, I yeah, did it.
2: Just m- minutes later.